0: This is Champagne Problems, where we come together to explore the gray areas of drinking. This is a judgment-free zone where we can all take a look at how we make decisions about our relationship with alcohol. Welcome back, everybody. We're creating a timely episode today. We've got our super sharp executive producer, Charlotte Cameron, back in the studio with our beloved co-host, Sam Hampson, discussing dry January. As many of you likely know, Sam and Charlotte are the drinkers on our team. They represent the gray area drinking population and round out the full perspective we provide here at Champagne Problems. So January being a time when many of us are making health and wellness and behavioral changes to kick off the year with good intention, Sam and Charlotte are going to explore their experiences and strategies around dry January and New Year's resolutions and provide our listeners with some informed perspective and guidance even some tips and tricks to help you reach your personal goals. So that's enough from me, Sam and Charlotte, take it away.
1: Thanks, Robbie. It's fun to be here on the other side of things again. And I don't think I've ever been in the studio with Sam on this side of the microphone. So it's fun to be here and take a look and share what I've learned throughout this process with you all. And dry January, dry-ish January, we'll, (laughs) we'll take a look and see what works for Sam
2: and I. I think it's super cool to have you on here just because we do talk so much outside of being in front of the mics, just kind of about how intentional we've been about drinking and making some changes. And then even as we talk through some of the topics on this podcast, I think it just really keeps it alive and keeps it really front of mind. Even, you know, mentioning that we have the podcast to someone at a dinner party or something, and then kind of being even more aware of than what the intentions are around drinking. And January is a cool time because I think a lot of people really are looking to reset, um, maybe from the overindulgence from holiday, or maybe it's just because what they're wanting in the next year is just something different or something more creative and figuring out how they can have access to that. And so I think a big topic usually in January is diet, exercise, you know, and that kind of wellness realm and alcohol has got to play a role in all that. If you're going to be looking at your diet, if you're going to be looking at kind of the cycle of staying healthy, I think alcohol is a big piece of that. So yeah, that overall wellness. Yeah. Like just big picture. It can't be so pigeonholed to just, I'm going to do whole 30 and I'm going to walk every day, (laughs) you know, and then I'll
1: have three glasses
2: of wine. Yeah. And then like somehow the alcohol that I have just doesn't play into that. So I think Being able to look at January as this opportunity to just reflect and figure out what it is you want, and then is alcohol compatible with that in the way that you currently consume it, or do you want to make some adjustments there?
1: Yeah, I always find anytime I'm practicing wellness routines, it's it's sort of a bucket for me, right? Like I'm either doing it or I'm not. So I think when I'm drinking less, when I'm eating healthier, when I'm working out, all kind of seems to go hand in hand. doesn't make sense to do a great hour-long workout and then come out and say, you know, I'm just going to eat <laughs> fast food or whatever it is that's available. You know, I think you just sort of get into a mindset of being more intentional and it kind of piles on. You feel better from step A and step B, which leads to participating in step C more. So I think it's really, yeah, I love that holistic look at January and and where you're going for the next year. I think one of the mistakes we make when we look at alcohol is we
2: look at it as really individual or maybe separate from everything else. And, And I think one of the first things I always go to is like, how is that going to impact my social life? Um, For me, it's not really about anything else. It's just like, am I going to have to not go to stuff or am I going to not have fun going to the stuff that's already planned? So I think when you start to put it way more as like a factor in your overall wellness plan, like, hey, these are my wellness goals and how does alcohol fit or not fit with that? That feels so much easier to me than being like, what are my goals with alcohol? Yes. And then trying to figure everything else
1: out. And fit it in backwards. I completely agree. Um, one thing I did as sort of an exercise coming into the holiday season in general with the podcast was I, I tried to sit down and make a list of all the things that I associate with drinking and I, you know, maybe would sort of set a tone by saying, I think I'm a pretty intentional drinker. I don't drink, um, more than one drink all that often. Yeah. Although I drink one drink, you know, pretty regularly. So I, I've been always pretty intentional about my relationship and maybe aired more on the side of being a bit boring. But even even when I sat down to do that, I was surprised to see how many things I associated. Yeah. So a, a couple things I think that I put on there, like when it's cozy, if it's cold outside, <laughs> if it's raining, it's nice to go inside. I used to live in the Midwest in New York and it's, you know, freezing all those places. It's nice to go inside somewhere and Sit down and have that experience on a on a date. You know, any kind of romantic restaurant. Mm-hmm. I, I, trying to understand what that would be like without even having a glass of wine kind of felt a bit foreign. It's celebrating something goes well. You know, having a tough day when something's been really off. One time I remember, uh, my husband and I both were like, you know, we're going to really just sort of like play it cool with drinking. We're just going to kind of take a break. I think we had been on a two week meetings all day and all night in New York kind of set up. And we were like, let's kind of do a little bit of a cleanse. And we took this flight to Chicago. And I mean, I've never been more afraid on a a plane ever. Mm. It was, you know, we were all over the place. It was this crazy, horrible storm. And we landed and immediately we were like, we got to go get a drink. Like, thank God we survived. (laughs) Also, that was terrifying. Our anxiety is still high. But it really is. So, you know, when things are stress-inducing, anxiety-provoking, when it's Mm -hmm. been a tough day, when you're kind of feeling emotionally worn out. It just, you know, when you want to feel sort of like a sense of routine, that was one of the ones I came up with, especially during COVID, creating a transition from day to night, sort of having that moment to unplug, even though you're still sitting at the dining table. Yeah, there was just so many, and it was really a little eye-opening to me to realize, I don't think there's anything else in my life I associate with this many different experiences and feelings. Yeah. I think the COVID one's big. I've heard a lot of people
2: describe like the five o'clock beer is their new commute. Mm,
1: that, um, yeah. And that's, Interesting Interesting. in a lot of ways, right? Because
2: usually we're looking at maybe healthier or just built in coping skills. Like I used to have a 45 minute commute home from a very stressful job. And during that time, depending on the kind of day, I'd either listen to super loud music or I'd listen to no music. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And decompress and really like it almost allowed for that time for me to process the day's thoughts and then like actively kind of shelf them till 7 a.m. the next day. Yeah. And without that built-in time, certainly you can plan to go for a walk or something like that after work, but it's very easy to get out of those things when they're not built in. Like today, like it's raining. It's probably not going to happen today, right? So a lot of people have tried, maybe not tried to figure out how to substitute a commute. And there's just been a natural substitution with alcohol or with some kind of decompressor. And I think that's, that's something that I hear across the board is just early on in lockdown, there was a lot of drinking, there was, that was almost like kind of like cultural, like you were watching like yeah. Tiger King and you were drinking like at random times <laughs> of the
1: day, you know, moments to be proud of. Yeah. It was like,
2: we're all in it together kind yeah. of thing. And then, but now some of that hasn't really gone away or we just haven't really figured out how else to do it better. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was something that you wrote in, in the list. Cause I know you were really intentional about kind of creating the what do I associate this with? And I think one of the things that you brought up that you and I have always bonded over is just this sense of identity, like almost like, but who would I really not be the fun one if I didn't drink? Can you talk about that?
1: I can. And it's really an interesting one. Actually, my sister, um, you know, my sister recently sort of just mostly stopped drinking just for health reasons. She just felt better. She made some changes to her diet and that's one of the things she found was aggravating her stomach, and so um, we were having this conversation about it, and, and, you know, between the podcast and that, I was sort of saying, gosh, I really am thinking about being even more intentional and cutting back, and she said, you know, I feel like you've waited a really long time to drink socially the way that you like to drink. Mm -hmm. In college, it was all about you know, whatever people do, shots and heavy drinking. And then I think, you know, for like a decade after that, people were consuming still more heavily, concerts, you know, trips, things like that. So for me, just now being in a period where... People like to go to a great cocktail bar and have one really great cocktail. Right. I've been waiting a long time for this, <laughs> so it's a hard time to make to make those choices and be intentional. But I think it's been a big part of my identity for as long as I can remember. I was always sort of the boring one. I was always sort of the one that was really intentional and um, you know opted out of heavy, heavy drinking experiences. Um, so I feel really good about my relationship with alcohol in terms of the way yeah. other people perceive it. And it has kind of become this part of my identity. The older I've gotten, the easier it is to sort of own that I feel good about it. Yeah. And so even that reexamining what it looks like and making additional changes, it's a, it's a bit of a change to my identity in the way that I think socially other people perceive me.
2: It's almost like looking at like what's left over from the days where I drank like I thought I was supposed to. Yes. And like cleaning that up. Cause I think there is this, um, I at least felt when I was younger, like I really didn't enjoy being called like the sensible one. Right. Or like the mom of the group or like the, Yeah, that's not really a fun label when you're younger. And I think people can respect it. And you know, whether that's people being like, Oh, you're like an old soul or like you've always (laughs) been wiser than your years. It's like, Oh great. But like, that doesn't help me like on the dance floor, yes. you know, like when everyone's having fun, and I'm like, you think I've had enough for this <laughs> evening? Like, yeah. So I think, yeah, phase of life can definitely come into it. But then I, I think that what your sister said is really important. Like, you, you really also don't have to wait for other people's drinking patterns to change or for there even to be a wave like there is right now of people exploring non alcoholic options and people maybe cleaning it up a little bit. Whatever it looks like in your social circle, you don't have to wait for other people to adjust theirs for you to start to do that internally and even very silently if you choose to. Absolutely.
1: It's the last couple years I've really noticed in general more and more people stepping into this space. I mean Mm -hmm. I think I was sharing with you um, you know maybe last week that I've been talking just about the podcast more and more because when I have just one drink or you know yeah. Opt out of something. It used to just be sort of this long winded story about how that's just sort of my preference and I'm kind of boring and, wh- or whatever it yeah. may be. And recently it's been a fun way to talk about the podcast. And I can't tell you how many people I've said this to that I didn't necessarily anticipate a response. Uh, like this where they said oh my god me too you know Mm -hmm. or at work we're really talking about that companies are over investing and having all of these excessive drinking experiences and really wouldn't it be better if we all could just show up and do our jobs really well and we could feel proud of that and do I need to be out with a team until 11 midnight yeah on a regular basis or people sort of saying yeah you know I've made these other changes in health and wellness goals. And yeah. I've really been thinking about this. I just can't believe how many people have also been re-examining their relationship. It feels really acceptable. For sure. I think even in the kind of corporate world or
2: any businesses, like I remember working for a treatment center and they were planning a Christmas party and it was really difficult to find a Christmas, um, like a party package that didn't include a set amount for alcohol allocated oh, with catering. And so it was really cool because what they ended up doing, we did it at a super fun place. And what they ended up doing was like allocating all of that money that was built in for the alcohol kind of amount to like, just like swag, like just stuff from the place, like cups and t-shirts and like, and so they literally had to figure out a way to spend that money that was assumed Interesting. on alcohol, right? And it's a bunch of sober people. So it's like, okay, well, what else can we do? Yeah. You no, know? but just knowing that it's that ingrained. And I think there's a lot of shift away from that now. And you know, the more I talk to people, the more people I have one of, or two reactions, like people are either like, oh my gosh, me too. And I'm kind of over it. And I'm trying to get out of like kind of what's left over from like early twenties. Or I have people being like, but why? Like, yeah. why would you If there's nothing wrong with your drinking, like, why would you want to change it? Like, I've never seen you black out, right? Or I've never seen you have an issue with alcohol. And I think that's a lot of it is we really wait until something becomes super problematic to take a look at it. But I think... Maybe some of that is just the the lack of awareness around, like, there is no safe amount, there's no healthy amount kind of thing. Yeah. And so if you're interested in some of that, definitely go back and listen to the, the podcast early on where we really talk about kind of the science and the the health risk. But I think that's important of just getting really clear of, like, if you're going to go into dry January or any version of a sobriety type of challenge or adjustment in your relationship with alcohol, I think you've got to get really clear on why Or, or the opposite, like for what, right? What goal do I want to achieve that alcohol is not compatible with? And therefore I am changing my relationship with alcohol. Or why do I really think that this is the time for me to, to take a look at my relationship with alcohol and what do I want out of that?
1: Absolutely. I think it's really shifting away in this particular conversation from examining something because it's a problem. I mean, we always say that in marriage therapy, right? It's like, if everybody came to marriage therapy from the beginning, marriage therapy would be a lot easier. (laughs) Everybody would enjoy it more. Um, you know, mostly people wait to come until they are really at a point where you're back, you're trying to work backwards to get to, to the building block. I think it's really that you don't have to have a problem. It's really a shift in perspective from how do I fix a problem to looking at being intentional and purpose, really. Um, I listened to a really interesting speech with Jay Shetty about purpose yesterday, and so much of it has stuck with me, but really just your overall purpose, what is that, and how do all the decisions you're making fit into that, including, you know, your work schedule, how you feel about your job, and your relationship to your job, and food, and what you're consuming, and how you show up day to day, it really takes me back to the Sarah Olin episode
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and looking at the power of choice too, right? Like every day, these are all choices we're making. And is it in line with just your greater purpose and what you want 2022 to look like? I think it's that, how does she say it?
2: Like you you have the power to reinvent anything, right? And you can create anything. And I think that's a, a big piece for me of not necessarily looking at, okay, what does it look like right now? And how do I tweak it? It's more just, what do I want? And then how do I get it as close to that as possible? Like, what's the relationship with alcohol that I would pick off of a shelf and like, let me go create that. Yes. So I think one of the things that you really have to do going into this is figure out for what, right? What am I doing this for? What am I trying to achieve that alcohol will need to be adjusted to be able to achieve? Or what is it about my relationship with alcohol that I'm trying to change and then setting some way more concrete expectations for yourself because at the end of the month or at the end of however long you're gonna look at this journey, you wanna know if you met the expectations and you can't do that without having set them. So at the end of January, I'm gonna wanna know, did I do that successfully? Do that did I do that up to par? You know, was that kind of what I was hoping for? And yeah. I can't do that unless I've really set some of those intentions at the beginning of the month. Right? So what would success look like? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think one of the things that you and I and Robbie and Patrick certainly have always been passionate about is just not having this be so boxed in. Like yeah. we were talking about, you know, when you mentioned kind of wellness goals, it's like with the gym, I'm either there four days a week or I'm not there at all. Like it's so black and white. And yeah, the model, I think that works a lot better for me because I tend to be kind of that perfectionist that can get into the black and white. Mm. I'm so concerned with doing it perfectly that I might not do it at all. Right. (laughs) Like paralysis (laughs) is I think really coloring in all the different areas of gray. So when you think of dry January, typically what you're going to think of is this like 30, 31 days, whatever it is of complete abstinence from right. alcohol. Right. And that's great. And I think that works for a lot of people. And certainly we recommend taking about 30 days away from alcohol to be able to evaluate that relationship successfully. But I think that there's a lot of space for way more gray area in that. So for example, January has always been the month of the year for me where I'm like, well, not January, because that's when my birthday is. Right. <laughs> like I'll do February. Right. Right. That is so black and white. There is no reason whatsoever that I couldn't just reserve that one day to have my one cocktail.
1: Absolutely. And every
2: other day of January be really intentional or remove it or have less or whatever. Absolutely. So I think, you know, maybe your plan for January isn't that you're trying to remain abstinent consecutively. Maybe it's that you're wanting to set a cap for yourself, like two drinks max on any occasion, and then you
1: stick to that for the whole month. I think, yeah, it's it's really what do you want it to be, right? Yeah. I think the idea that I'm not going to drink for 30 days or however many days because that's what, you know, there's a sort of mass movement. Lots of people are doing it. For me, that personally doesn't feel like support. And so mm-hmm. it's, I'd much rather look at what do I want this to yeah. be, Um same thing. A couple of things in January, We got you know, wedding in Napa. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not really interesting to me to do the 30 days, but it's a great time of year to look at longer goals and set a tone. And so for me, that looks much more like being really intentional. I went through that list. Like I said, so I've made this list of, um, you know, all the different, emotions and experiences that I associate with drinking and then in looking at it I really just kind of highlighted circled out maybe six or seven of them that I felt really good about like those are moments where I want to be able to enjoy drinking and just not feel badly about it at all and So January for me looks like really allowing those moments to be the moments where I choose to drink. And then, you know, nights where it's not any of those things or days where it's not any, you know, if it's vacation, we've talked recently on the holiday episode, it's sort of this weird extended period, (laughs) right? Where there's some days, you know, that can be filled with drinking as well, but really just what fits into those categories that I want to be drinking and, and just eliminating the rest and then seeing how I feel. This isn't a forever commitment either, right? It's maybe you pull one out and you think, I don't think I'll drink, you know, during that kind of experience or that kind of emotion. And then you try it and you think like, that really didn't work. It didn't move the needle for me. That part didn't feel better. I'm going to reassess. So I think it's really, what would, yeah, what would that look like for you that would feel like success and feel supportive and worth it?
2: I think what we're really looking for is a plan and then progress on that plan, right? So, there's certainly a benefit to, uh, you know, you know how people diet, right? They do like a five day cleanse and then they kickstart kind of whatever they're going to do for this diet that tends to be fairly restrictive or, or pretty absolute. And it's usually with a pretty concrete, like weight loss goal in mind. And they want to achieve that. I think if you're a 30 day or like you really want to do dry January cause you want to clean it up from the holidays. Yep. You want a reset. Those are some of the words I hear people use of like, I just yeah. want to give my liver and kidneys a break. Yeah. Like, I think that's great. I think you just got to really go back to that. Why are you doing it? Do you know what you're trying to accomplish during that month? And be really careful what your support looks like. If you just want to cut it out for 30 days and you have other people around you who are doing that, just be careful that that doesn't become like your kind of prison day counting, Yeah. right? Of like, oh my gosh, I know it's only the 28th. Can't wait for Monday to be able to have a beer, right? Because I think ultimately the goal with all of this and our goal is to have people really evaluate what a long-term sustainable, healthier plan is in their relationship with alcohol. Absolutely. So if, if there's any way that you can start to design, it's kind of why I work backwards, right? Like what do I want my relationship to look like with alcohol? Well, for me, I want to be able to drink and not feel guilty about it. I want to drink when that's something that I've chosen, not something that I feel like I have to do or Mm -hmm. it's a default in that situation. And I really want to understand what makes me feel good and what makes me feel bad when it comes to alcohol and not tell myself any lies.
1: Yes. And so I
2: think when I have that kind of plan, it doesn't really matter what anyone else's looks like around me. It just matters that I'm being really intentional. So just like you made your list, I've got my kind of like non-negotiable. So like these are the nights that for sure I know I will allow myself to drink. And then if that night comes and I'm not feeling it and I suddenly feel like I just should be drinking, that's not a night where I'm going to drink because that breaks one of my kind of rules, right? So I think just being able to reserve those times where it feels important to you, maybe discard the rest. And then know that you've been able to create a plan that is moving you closer to your ideal relationship with alcohol
1: and that you've made progress on it. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's really big picture, right? It's not yeah. getting locked into this, like you said, this prison time. I like that idea.
2: we are like day 15, ready like, to get out 15 of 15
1: to go. Yeah. There's no way that you could go into something with that mindset and then expect to come out of it really feeling, uh aware of all the benefits because right. half the time you're spending just waiting for it to be over right yeah yeah i think too for me and we and we talk about this a lot you guys talked about it on the holiday episode a lot and you know these are not paid plugs but i really do find that for myself having replacement options. So the experience of sitting down at the end of the day, whether it's with a, you know, with a friend or neighbors or my husband or whatever it may be, the experience of that is something that I've really come to value, especially in sort of this like tail end of COVID post COVID space. So having, you know, whether I recently did kin and I did a mass and some of the other options, whether you're mixing something else at home or, um, I don't drink really beer, but I know a lot of people have really enjoyed the NA beers. I just, mm-hmm. something with a replacement behavior. I've also found a couple times moving my yoga practice to that window. So when I'm done with work, nice. step onto my mat, spend 45 minutes and maybe still have, you know, like a kin or whatever, an NA beverage afterwards, but that transition being sort of part of my day, as opposed to just sitting down with a cocktail yeah. or a glass of wine or what, whatever it may be. So having replacement options. Yeah. Um, so you're not just left feeling like there's a bit of a void in your schedule, um, or your social habits.
2: Yeah. I think on one of the episodes we had talked about kind of like outsourcing, and this is the one thing that I'm really resentful towards alcohol about, if I'm honest, is just, i I do feel like it's a cheap way to achieve some of the things that yeah. I should be able to naturally achieve. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for me, I try to be really careful that alcohol is always an add on, not a facilitator. Mm, I like that. So I love your idea of my transition time becomes yoga. And then if I still want, you know, a drink that allows me to have that experience, non-alcoholic or alcoholic, right. like I can add that in and that's supplemental, right? It complements my yes. night rather than When I get done with work at five, I have a beer as the transitioner or as the facilitator of decompressing. Those are the things that I don't really like because I feel like it takes my power away a little bit. Like, I'm like, no, I'm capable of decompressing me. Like, (laughs) screw that. I got this. I got this. I don't need anything else to do that. And I really like proving that to myself. And I really don't like the moments where the opposite has happened and I have accidentally kind of used it as a mechanism of, yeah. you know, when I catch myself being like, I'm going to have another glass of wine because this conversation is intolerable.
1: <laughs> then yeah, i maybe, like, maybe look at why you're talking to that person. Yeah. Why am say, I talking to that yeah. person?
2: Why am I allowing that conversation to continue? Cause that's not really me. Why am I not setting boundaries around? Hey, I'm uncomfortable. Can we switch yeah. topics? Like, and I really want to know that I can do those things. And the two years that I took away from drinking that's a lot of what I learned is I can do everything without drinking. And so when I have those moments again where I kind of fumble around that, I'm like, gosh darn it, like I yeah. already learned this. Yeah. I know how to do this. On,
1: Don't be cheap about yeah. it, you know? I think too, I really like this idea of whether, you know, dry ish January or just overall changes throughout the next year. It doesn't all have to be about taking away, but really a perspective of adding in. What can I add in that will make my day feel as complete as I want it to? And then I love that idea. Yes, supplementing after the workout or after the walk or whatever it may be. Then, you know, if I still want to drink, I can have it. But I've added something of benefit instead of just trying to remove exclusively. I love that. I think a lot of
2: times we feel like something's being taken away from us or we're being told we shouldn't do something. And that's usually where I start to rebel. I'm like, I'll show you how I can do it successfully. Yes. So I think, yeah, if you're looking at this, again, setting your intention and your reason for why or for what are you doing this, because this is not, hopefully, about someone else telling you that you cannot drink for a certain amount of time. Hopefully, this is about you going, what do I want? And does this fit? And for some people, maybe those things sound similar. Maybe it's my wife has told me I need to stop drinking. Yeah. But also, that can be turned into some sort of internal motivation. That could also be because I don't want conflict in my relationship or because I do want healthier conversations without this underlying resentment, I am going to remove alcohol. And just have it be a little bit
1: more empowered. Uh, You know, on that note too, the other thing I really started doing – In the last few months, and I think – again, I think just as a result of these conversations that you all are having on the podcast and getting, you know, sort of the privilege of listening to those conversations firsthand and digging in is I've really realized when I – for example, if I'm going to have a glass of wine, there's just a certain – a certain version of that glass of wine that I really, really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then especially when you're at other people's houses or you haven't selected what you're drinking, you end up drinking something. You're like, do I even like this? Yeah. And so that's, that's a shift I've definitely made is if I'm going to drink something, it better be something I really like. It better be the the, the version of it that I would like. Otherwise I could just pass and not drink something that quite frankly, isn't what I really like. Yeah. That's
2: a good point. There's a lot of defaulting and, and I, you know, I also think that there's a lot of overly optimistic expectation when it comes to alcohol. Like I'm always like, oh, it's going to be so nice to sit out there and have a margarita and whatever. And like, there's no mindfulness at all around the margarita. Cause like, as you know, I'm focused on the tacos anyway. So like <laughs> the margarita really just doesn't matter that much. But I, but the way that I talk to myself about alcohol is usually a lot more positive than my actual experience That's with alcohol. interesting.
1: Yeah, So I guess, just bringing
2: mindfulness to it too.
1: I guess, yeah, and, and I would, in that same boat, and I'm excited about it, and then I get there, and it's like some kind of crappy, slushy margarita <laughs> that's made with, you know, crappy tequila and yeah. sugar and stuff that I don't not how I would make it at home then I'm really not enjoying it the whole time I'm like oh this isn't good mm-hmm. um but you're right we sort of set this idea we have this idea of what it would be like yeah. and then without being really intentional it's easy just to fall into accepting that that's what it is i will say at this point i'm pretty good at that if i go to
2: a restaurant And it's date night or something. I will take a look at the cocktail menu. And if there's something that sounds really good, I'll be like, ooh, I'm going to try that. But if there's not one that jumps out at me, I will just default to sparkling water. Yeah. So I think just kind of getting... Some muscle memory around that type of behavior of like yeah. let me look and see if there's anything I want, not yeah. let me find what I'm gonna have. <laughs> tolerable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, what what on here is tolerable? Yeah, it's uh it's especially, you know, the holidays and then going into January is a nice chance you've been on everybody's Everybody else's schedule so far, right? You're at different yeah. people's homes, your family gatherings, you know, friendly gatherings. You're sort of subject to eating or drinking what other people provide. So right. January is a nice space to go in and, like, I have do you ability? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have some control here, you know? What, what do you want? I would just really like this idea of looking at January uh, as a way to add these better things, to add, you know, new routines, to add more intentional decision-making as opposed to just this idea of like having to remove everything and sort of starve yourself and, and then see what happens. I
2: think, you know, one of the things we can also kind of share here, just some things to look out for that are add-ons. I think most of the time, like I said, my mind goes to the things I'm going to have to miss out on or the things I'm going to have to not attend or mm. the things I'm going to have to be the not fun girl at. Yeah. And that's just really not an accurate depiction of what my experience has been with removing alcohol. Yeah. So, to talk through kind of some of the benefits and some of the things that during the time away from alcohol or during the time where you're evaluating alcohol, some of the things that I think are really important to look at are things like sleep, quality of sleep. There's all sorts of apps. My favorite is Sleepmeister because it's free Mm. and I'm cheap. (laughs) That you literally like lay on, like beside your pillow and it will track your sleep. It will tell you, how many times you toss and turn, it'll tell you kind of like what sleep waves you actually got into and which ones you didn't. And I don't really like seeing how little REM sleep I get when I drink, because I feel like I fell asleep super fast and I felt like I slept fine. Absolutely. But actually seeing those things concretely helps me because I'm a science nerd. And so I'm like, yeah, oh, that thing's messed up and it should be this way, you know.
1: I can't tell you, uh, Meredith, our our other executive producer and I, how many times we've talked about this since it came up in this sort of research and development planning process for the podcast. We learned that, I think it's at three around 3 a.m. for women, your yeah. liver is sort of, at its optimal functioning, trying to clean itself out. And how many times we've both said, even just one or two drinks, waking up at three in the morning and you look at the, it's like clockwork. I mean, it's a little bit mind blowing and kind of scary to realize that, you know, this is your, your body is sort of like, why, why are you doing this? Uh, And it doesn't take a lot, you know, we're not talking about being drunk or intoxicated. I mean, it's just a few drinks and you, you start to realize it. So. Everything, you know, it affects everything.
2: So I think, you know, being really aware even of the follow-up from that, being aware of your energy levels throughout the day um, at different points in the day, kind of what happens for you. One of the biggest things that I hear from clients when they just step away from alcohol even a little bit is the increase, like the drastic increase in productivity and focus. Mm. It's yes it's the lack of fogginess that they felt with alcohol and with kind of the depleted stores the next day but it's also some of it is behavioral some of it is this intention setting some of it is when I've removed alcohol I've made that choice Mm. and therefore I've made choices to focus on other things yeah and so I'm actually completing tasks I'm actually getting projects done and I have the the focus and the capacity because I'm not fatigued I'm not craving pizza. I'm not doing all these other things that allow me to actually execute the things that I want in my life.
1: You know, so many times when I, you know, in a a previous version of life used to work with couples and uh, this maybe would fit more into a problematic drinking relationship, but honestly, kind of a fun exercise if we look at it you know, in, in this realm where it's healthy and you're just making more intentional choices. If you think of taking your, taking your relationship to alcohol outside of yourself and making it sort of a second person in the room with you, right. how many times are you making decisions where that second person is chiming in and altering what you'd actually want to do? Right. So yeah. what I, I remember having a couple that was an amazing couple I worked with and they were talking about, you know, the third person in the room being their relationship to alcohol. And they're like, it, it's always there. You know, we sit on the couch, we watch. TV, there's that third person in between us and we sit down to have dinner. There's a third person sitting at the table because it's just constantly there. So kind of an interesting exercise. I wonder what would happen if as a person who's already feeling okay about your relationship with alcohol, what if you just took it outside of yourself and looked at it as this sort of second person that shadowed you and followed you around? How many times would it influence in a week the decisions you are making and how many times would it sway slightly outside of what you'd really like Mm. to do or engage in.
2: And then, you know, are you happy with that? Are there changes you want to make with that? Because I think a lot of times when we say things like that, maybe there's even the interpretation that we think that there's probably something in there that's wrong or bad or not going well. And it's like, no, you might be totally happy with it once you evaluate it.
1: Yeah. You might look at it and be like this. I feel great about this relationship. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And I think that's allowed too, which is why this is dry-ish January, right? Or this is some version of a plan because this isn't really a push to be like, remove alcohol for 30 days plus. This is really just, hey, what do you want? Is this going the way that you want it to? Have you ever looked at these things? And, you know, one of the the other things that I, I think is important to mention as a benefit or as an add-in is for me, when I am not drinking consistently, my overall mood and or some may refer to it as attitude <laughs> improves dramatically. Interesting. What, what do you, where, how do you see that happen? I think when I'm just more irritable when I'm drinking regularly. Um, and I think that for me, a lot of it has to do with sleep. A lot of it has to do with not starting off, not at baseline anyway, and not kind of getting my basic needs met. And then everything is very annoying to me. Like everything that happens throughout my day feels like an inconvenience to me instead of something that's just kind of happening. Uh. I also think it has to do with productivity Yeah. because when I'm not drinking, I'm filling my time with more productive things and things that I want or things that I create. And so I'm getting ahead of it. I'm mm. actually proactively taking care of my life Yeah. and what I'm drinking, I'm not. And so it, there's this, I like, I'm annoyed that that thing came up today that I have to take care of, but yeah. I'm really annoyed that I haven't already taken care of it because probably I oh, was such doing a bad better feeling. things. Yeah. So I'm more irritable about just like life Mm. and I tend to be a lot more pessimistic, like just kind of, and then I'm like, well, it's a depressant. Like none of that should be shocking to me. Right. But it's the most tangible thing that happens for me when I'm regularly not drinking is my, my mood and my attitude towards like daily life inconveniences, whether it be traffic or whether it be like, what we have to do this weekend as far as, like, adulting and chores or whatever. Yeah. I just have more
1: capacity to, like, deal with things. Yeah. Do you notice, so if, I mean, I know you don't really drink a lot anymore at all, mm-hmm. but... If you drink, if is it a sliding scale kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. You know, is it like the more you drink, the more irritable you are, the less oh, yeah. you drink, the less irritable, or is it sort of a, it's like an
2: all in or an all out kind of the thing? The first one. Okay. It's definitely scaled. So it's definitely like if I drank, like um, maybe as an example, like I would have a beer like Thursday night after work I would have one or two Friday night and then maybe I had a glass of wine and like Bailey's by the fire or something Saturday. Sunday I am so annoyed about all the things that I have to do oh. and I have to go back to work and laundry has to get done the dog needs a bath. Yeah, Like all of that annoys me hmm. versus like when I don't do that on Thursday night it starts kind of what you talked about this cycle of other health things happening instead where I'm like, what could we do tonight instead of defaulting to, we're going to sit and have a couple of beers and really do nothing and order takeout. Yeah. There's so much more like, do you want to go to the Christmas market? Do you want to go to like you know go yeah. do something go for a walk on the beach with the dog so i think it really is kind of an avalanche of different things yeah. but i definitely notice the less i drink the less irritable i am with no drinking whatsoever i'm kind of at optimal mood yeah <laughs> and with quite a heavier amount of drinking um and not on one occasion just more days in a row there's definitely more irritability
1: yeah This has been such a fun conversation for me. I really enjoyed digging in and I think I've gotten more ideas. Do you have, you know, we always love to do this at the end. Do you have three sort of main tangible takeaways that you want to offer up to the listeners about looking at January and figuring out what will work for them?
2: For sure. Both professionally and personally, these would be the three things that I'd recommend looking at. So number one, we talked about the reasons why or for what. Are you evaluating your relationship with alcohol or maybe changing your patterns? Um, Two would be opting for a plan that's realistic and fair to yourself. Uh, So we're looking for progress. We're looking for a plan. We're not necessarily looking for absolutes. And three would just be really tracking some of the things that you're wanting to look at and some of the things that you're able to add in either as substitutions from alcohol or things that you naturally benefit from when you remove alcohol. So Mm. really tracking those things. So at the end of the month or however long you get to go, oh wow, like, yeah, I lost, maybe I didn't go to two social situations, but I actually gained all of these other things. And, and maybe that dictates kind of what this will look like moving forward. Mm. So track, 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 I think is very important. Be very mindful about the changes that happen in your body and in your life as you adjust these things. I love that. I love that. Honestly, I feel kind of excited and encouraged. I'm kind of ready to dive in now. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good time. I think it's a natural reset for everyone. And I think a lot, a lot of conversation around intentions and maybe even more accountability. It's more natural in January to go, all right, I'm going to do this, hold me accountable to it. Or, Hey, you know, this is what I'm working on. So yeah, I hope you take this opportunity and, and hope that everyone, our listeners, you know, certainly, take some benefit from the topics that we've talked about and maybe think about those reasons first, create a plan and and then track it.
1: Yeah. And share what works, right? I would love to hear from other people if they whether it's a mocktail recipe or some kind yeah. of new routine they've added in. I would love to hear from other people what worked. For sure. And
2: don't be scared to fail. You know, we the fumbles are sometimes a little bit funnier than your successes, so you know, be willing to have intentions and, you know, maybe have that not go great, but don't use that as a reason to completely kind of abandon ship. Just keep on with the plan, keep on with progress and flexibility. Yeah. Here's your non-alcoholic cheers to January.
0: The information and opinions shared on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and are not a substitute for medical advice. If you feel like you may need professional help, here are some resources. For the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration hotline, call 1-800-662-4357 or visit smsa.gov. For listeners in the Charlotte, North Carolina community, visit DilworthCenter.org. Or call seven zero four three seven two six nine six nine, or visit the Blanchard Institute dot com, or call seven zero four two eight eight one zero nine seven.